And now on Tucson Business Radio X, your home for real estate with Carol Nugent. Well, hello, everyone. This is Carol Nygut, your home for real estate on Tucson Business Radio X. And I'm really dis- delighted this afternoon to welcome uh, my guest today is Tom Welkhorn, who is a, I'm going to say, renowned, highly respected, notable architect and founder or co-founder of one of the leading and most respected uh, custom home builders here in Tucson. And so, Tom, thank you so much and welcome. Greetings. Thank you for having me on your show. And I want to start just a little bit with Tom. We were talking before we went on air. Tom is a a Midwesterner from Michigan, correct? Correct. I, I grew up there. I went to school, went to architecture school at University of Michigan, and after that, got interested in uh, energy, uh, energy and architecture. So ended up upstate in Phoenix. I don't like to say that, but up at ASU, I did a, a program. It was one of the only environmental planning programs, and that existed in the country. And this is in the late 70s. So from there, I got additional information on designing energy efficient structures, but specifically for the desert southwest and after that, once I got in the actual field of construction, more so than architecture, um, kind of combined the two forces. So my training's in architecture. I'm not a licensed architect, but I am a builder that uses you know, the, my architectural background in our design-build business. Well, so I, I, I would say you're a pioneer. I, I was, when I was reading your biography, I was curious when exactly you were studying um, environmental planning at ASU, because you're quite a bit ahead of your time. Yeah, at that point in time, you know, it just as a person who was pursuing either architecture and or engineering, I always had sort of an engineering, you know, half. There's a creative half, but there's also a sort of a technical half to the field. And the idea of being efficient about anything has always appealed to me. Why? use more resources than you need to. It's, it's caught more cost effective to be, you know, practical with choices and, and have a return on investment. So um, even back in the day, I think there was maybe one or two programs in the country and, you know, it was focused on uh, passive solar design and different things. And, but yeah, over the years, you know, things change, technology changes. There's been tons of improvements and tons of knowledge gained, but the idea of being, you know, making smart choices, and balancing, you know, uh, such choices in the design process is always a good thing. And it, it's, you know, it's again, it's more of the technical side of it, but the creative side of it um, kind of comes from where you live, your history, what you see around you, and so forth. Well, and I'm imagining that in the late 70s, discovering rammed earth and adobe walls must have been very exciting. And I, I'm guessing that it must have, in a way, inspired the direction that your career took. Well, absolutely. Was, you know, again, coming from Michigan, which is, for anybody from, you know, east of the Mississippi, it's, it's a completely different environment. And when you get out to the big, wide-open skies of the west and the adjacency of Mexico and you begin to travel, you see, especially in Mexico, you see towns with, you know, from small to big, they all have central plazas, and historically they were, at least in the Sonoran Chihuahua area, they built with adobe, so they had thick walls, just like you'll see when you're in Santa Fe and some places in New Mexico and so forth. So the idea of using thick walls, it had an appeal to it aesthetically, just the solidity of the whole thing and just the massive feel, and you could, it was a completely different architectural history based on just different different history of the area and it all intrigued me and that you know led me to the use of rammed earth and adobe as an as a appropriate regional material that also had history but also had energy benefits and it mm-hmm. has a certain beauty to it 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 really combines all of your interests the design the sustainability and and the cultural too i mean it really it really i think is the perfect blend of all of the areas that you, you've been interested in. And I'm, I'm personally excited 
with what you've done with it. Now, I know that, and I also, I'm very much a believer in our destinies come to us. And we just have to get out there and get started. And, and then we're drawn to where we're supposed to be. And I think that's one reason I'm also very drawn to your story, because uh, I know that it was while you were actually on construction crews that you, you, really, you really implemented a lot of the technical knowledge that you were getting in your educational process. Exactly. I mean, I'm all for education through books and, and learning classroom, but it's, it's, only ha it's only half the story for most, you know, most folks in their paths. And for me, getting involved back in, in the, when I was, you know, just that fresh out of grad school, you know, basically I got my first job at that point, or not my first job, but my job that came next was being on a rammed earth crew and organizing the crew, understanding how the dirt was mixed and out there building the walls. And then from then on, on to framing and different elements of construction, but all typically with rammed earth and Adobe homes. And the advantage of that was you got to see it from the ground up. And then as opposed to a set of beautiful drawings that we always say, just because you draw it doesn't mean you can build it. And what we, need, we mean is you need to look at the details but having real field experience in construction from labor on up has benefited my design sort of approach as well. Well, and I can imagine that at that point in your life, studying and hearing about these ideas is one thing, but then being able to actually be a part of manifesting them. You know, it's, we all have great ideas and philosophies that we embrace, but how to actually uh, implement them so it, I, it sounds to me like that experience you had on that crew, it, it sort of lit the fire under you that, oh, this stuff's really interesting. And, oh, and you can actually do it, and this is the way. <laughs> now I know the way. Exactly. And, and to me, it's not just about the idea. It's about, obviously, the implementation of it. So whether you're, you're on a framing crew or you're at the drawing board and you're also interacting with both, clients as well as coworkers, mm -hmm. and it's it's more so it's more than just philosophies and drawings and 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 technical knowledge it's it's just interacting with people where you learn to find a common goal right partnerships and and cooperative just cooperation which i i i think is just a great unfortunately we don't have an awful lot of it in our society right now we seem to be very, very divided, but I think that when people join together and work cooperatively towards a goal, that's the best, that's the best experience you can have. That, that's just, that's an opinion of mine. Um, and so was it challenging for you then to start your own company? Because I know that it was pretty early on in the 90s that you formed Ram Earth Development. Or did that just kind of come out of some of the collaborations you were having? Well, no, yeah. And, and basically, you know, I started working with um, a gentleman named Quentin Branch, who was part of a three-guy team out of St. David, and they were the first ones to start doing Ram Earth. And I got hired again, and like I said, as a wall, you know, to be on the construction crew, especially around building of the walls. But then soon came... And that's what they did. They were wall builders. They were not. Then they sort of morphed into um, general contractors, and then they they started having clients that would need some design work. So I was there to be able to provide those uh, design services, and though that's kind of how it all morphed. And then going forward, at, at a certain point, my current business partner, Jeff Sheffman, we're a design build company, and while we both run projects. I'm more the designer, and he's the estimator, and we've worked together since forever. But at one, at some point, we decided that we wanted to have our own company. So while I was with Ramed Earth Development for years, we decided that we wanted our emphasis not to be limited just to Ramed Earth Homes, mm -hmm. but also urban infill and and mm -hmm. explore other materials. So we started Pure Build. Well, and for would you? Take a minute, Tom, for our listeners to define what ram dirt actually is. Absolutely. 
the the one the descriptive word that I like to use is monolithic adobe. Now, adobe is a block. The original ones they'd mix, you know, earth with some clay and some stones and some sort of additive back in the days um, to make individual blocks. Blocks, and you'd hear the word sun-dried adobe. So they put them in molds, and then at a certain point they were able to lift the molds away. Then that that brick would dry, and the clay and other things they like calcium or whatever they limestone they might put in there their own little formulas they would make block and then once it dried they could you know stack it with a mortar made out of something similar well rather than making individual blocks rammed earth is you utilizes the similar forming system there's a couple different ways a couple different systems but in general the same concrete forming systems you'll see for any vertical concrete that you'll see whether it's for bridges or just general concrete walls with some minor modifications became the go-to sort of system for, for rammed earth. So instead of, again, pouring a wall, what you're doing is essentially if you think of these forms, let's say they're four foot by four foot, there's different sizes, but you basically form both sides of the wall. There's ties that go through the forming system that holds it 18 inches apart or whatever wall thickness you're at and you know makes it a, a, a rigid system. And then rather than making a pourable liquid, liquid, you're actually mixing engineered fill. And what that is is, you know, it's a specific material available typically at any sand and gravel yard. And it's mixed with a certain percentage of cement, between 6 and 10%, and uh, approximately, you know, 5% moisture, which is added during the process. And, but as the earth, it is a specific earth. It's not too high in clay content but it has a good cross gradation of materials from fine fines of about 20% up to things up to maybe quarter to three eighths inch in diameter. And the idea is all those different particle sizes, when you get this mix tossed together and we mm -hmm. typically use a little front end loader, adding water, you get sort of like make, it's sort of like making a cake only it's a drier mix. It's It's moist. You can grab a handful when it's ready and squeeze it and it will hold itself together but you won't squeeze liquid out of it. So this mix is then delivered to the forms with a little front end loader dropped in. It's maybe eight, nine inches thick. It's spread around. And then with pneumatically driven tampers, you compress the earth down to maybe five, five and a half inches. So it's done under a lot of pressure. And those fine particles kind of lock in and find the voids of the bigger particles. So it kind of makes mm -hmm. it very dense. But yet there's cement in there too. So that basically... It's sort of, sort of like an earthen cement. So it's done in layers. Then you stack forms above that, and then the bottom forms can be removed, and then you have a system while there's still moisture. It cures kind of like concrete, but it, you can pull the forms the next day. So the density is part of the insulating benefit. Is that correct? Uh, correct. In other words, one thing to think about is thermal mass is different than insulation. Insulation doesn't really weigh anything. It could be a vacuum. It can be air, or it's the pink stuff we all know in houses or foam or right right so it, that has the ability of preventing heat from getting from a to b versus if you put a, a, a rock in a fire and then pull it out you know a little bit later and then go touch that rock a half hour later it's still warm it's able to store heat so we're using the principles of storing heat or coolness in combination with insulating materials like windows and ceilings to kind of provide a more uniform and comfortable interior environment where your air conditioning system, for example, doesn't come on and off as much. Mm -hmm. And how does rammed earth differ from adobe? I think that's a question that a lot of people would like to hear you answer. Well, on, a, on an energy level, they're very similar. On a wall thickness level, you know, adobe is typically 16 inches thick and rammed earth can be 18, 24 thicker. It's easy to spread those forms apart in the field and create different architectural effects. But it's more of an aesthetic difference. Um, everybody's familiar with adobe. It's a block and it, and it has a it has a rustic appeal and sort of earthy feel that you don't get from a concrete block. So it, it stands separate from that material. And rammed earth is you when you pull those forms off, you don't see blocks, but you see those individual layers I described before. So you sort of see it almost looks like looks like a slice of the Grand Canyon if you had a vertical slice where you see the different layers. And they, they they're they're similar color, obviously because it's the same mix, but you still see those like striations. 
Right. It's, it's more of a mono, it's definitely more monolithic. And for that reason, it, it definitely appeals to architects looking for, you know, a, a feature wall or walls that just have that, it's just, just a certain kind of honesty about it all that just gravitates mm -hmm. towards a modernism. In the early days, they typically stuck with the walls, but as time progressed now, the walls are used left exposed, whether they have parapet walls or a roof overhang. It's just there's plenty of room for creativity. And are there very many builders doing rammed earth? It seems that it's pretty unique. Um, there's a handful. There's always been kind of a handful. Same with Adobe. It's, it's definitely a specialty. Um, it's available, you know, pretty much across the Southwest. It's meant, it's a desert material. It's not, right. it's not a, it's not a humid environment material, nor is it a super cold environment material. So basically Texas, a little bit West Texas, Texas through the deserts of California and North to Southern Utah is really its best zone because that's a zone where we're in the arid desert where the daily temperature fluctuations can hit 35 degrees pretty easily, which is not the case back east. They may only change 10 degrees. So that thermal mass ends up as acting as a buffer to mitigate those te temperature changes. So in other words, what I found, you know, I live in a Ramdorf house and the temperature of like, if you, have a little, one of those little thermal, like, pistols that you can, you know, like, now they use for testing people's temperature on their forehead or whatever, but you can check the temperatures out of the walls, and they're completely consistent throughout the house. And mm. if you think about it, if, if there's a hot west sun on an 18-inch thick wall, that, that heat of that uh, exterior surface barely can make it through to the inside, so it, the fluctuation inside these homes is very minimal so there's a comfort level that's pretty amazing it's just it's it's, it's just hard to replicate without some other th other thick walled system i mean modern air conditioning and design has come a long way so and that's a good thing so there's plenty of ways to achieve energy efficiency so i think one of the reasons that rammed earth and adobe is only so um prevalent is because it is more expensive yeah and frame and block and our company does work in Rambrith and Adobe, of course, but also ICFs, insulated concrete forms, as well as block, and they all ha they all have their advantages. But you know, if aesthetics is important, and tradition, and respecting you know using local materials, then Rambrith usually is is very desirable. It, but it's not really it's not what you'd find in a tract home subdivision where they're looking for least cost upfront type right. materials. But but we all still we still use wood. We still use many of the same materials, just in a different way. But Mm -hmm. It has its place. Well, I, I love the fact that it's very, it's energy efficient, but because of the organic nature and not because of the mechanicals that have been added, <laughs> you know, and, and are you finding, I'm just curious, I know this last year has been such a radically um, unusual year, but are, are you finding that there's more or less interest in building with the natural materials. I'm just, I'm just curious. On the one hand, I think there are probably a lot of people who, if they can afford it, they're very, very interested in preserving um, some of these methodologies. But on, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm wondering if people are just are moving into, we've had such a new home, con new construction boom going on in Tucson. I'm just curious what your perception of that is. Are, are, do you think that people are looking to retain some of these more organic earth-based methods? You know, to be honest, I think it's kind of been kind of the same for the last 20 years. <clears throat> it's just, you know, it's, it's a smaller group of people that want something a little, you know, a little different that has some advantages. And, and I think the interest level is kind of the same through, through what we're going through now. And I think, and again, we we do build with other materials so we but we do you know we do we're a small builder so yeah. you know and, and in tucson any custom builder most of them do five homes or less a year a lot of them only do a couple we tend to do more than the average but it's even at five i mean a custom home is everything from you know choosing everything in design all the way through the completion it's not anything off the shelf so 
that's sort of you know one of the unique services we have like other custom home builders but uh you know so we just interview the people and then sometimes they come in and they say we wanted to do i'm you know potentially working with a client from chicago and they would like they're, they're interested in adobe yeah so we'll explore that stuff with them and we were starting a rammed earth job uh we're catalina well the, the job's underway it's just the actual walls will start you know and I don't know, six or seven weeks. And, but I would say, honestly, we do one or two sets of walls a year. And some of them tend to be, it's gone from kind of back in its early days where it was just like you dig up the dirt on the site and build walls and you didn't even add cement and you put stucco and a roof over it. And, the, and as long as you keep rain away, it'll, it'll last. It was just sort of a organic thing. And now it's much, I think, honestly, it's more of an artistic mm-hmm. approach where people want to, still have something that feels like it belongs in the desert. I mean, that's sort of one of the core philosophies of, you know, our company is that we want to design and build things that feel like they belong, whether they're modern or more traditional. And that's our client base. I mean, we want to feel, and you see a picture of one of our homes, you go, that's a desert house. Not that could be anywhere house. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine that I want to talk a little more about pure build, but, I imagine the fact that you're a design and build company must be so satisfying because you are the creativity of starting with the client from the very beginning, trying just getting an idea of what they're interested in. I mean, that creative process must be very, very satisfying to, to see that project through from its inception as an idea, as a thought in the mind of one of your clients to an actual living, breathing structure. No, and it is. I mean, it, it, and so in the early phases, you know, since we're design build, it all starts more. The conversations all start out much more about design and what things, what, pe- what people are after and what they want things to look like. And but by having the knowledge of how things can go together and and what things cost, it allows us to introduce, you know, the financial aspect early on and mm-hmm. not let it control creativity but let it be a partner with it because if you we 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 don't like to design houses we like to design and build them so that means keeping things in budget and that's one of the biggest advantage of design build is we do have cost knowledge and we can look at things and to see where they're going financially and keep the owners in the loop from day one so things can move forward towards both the aesthetic goals as well as financial goals and because there's a lot of you hear a lot of stories of people that design a set of plans and they just go out and mm-hmm. get it bid and all of a sudden it's twice what they thought. Yep. And then and then it's just now it's just a set of plans. Well, that's not satisfying. Mm-hmm. What's satisfying to us is to see it from beginning to end. And that goes back to that idea of collaboration. You know, as opposed to, as a realtor, I can sell anybody a lot. And as you said, they can go out get an architect, get a set of plans hire a builder and everything is so uh, each task is so separate there isn't a sense of people collaborating together to really create something beautiful that's also efficient that's also satisfying to the client because it has stayed within their budget you know uh and and we do have um a, a segment of our population just as in any urban area that are very interested in, in custom builds. And I think that that's, it's, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it's very important that people understand the difference between individually purchasing a lot, hiring an architect, hiring a builder, and having a design and build. And, you know, I like the idea of having a design and build because there's somebody that's there with you through the whole process and you're all working together towards the same goal. And I, I don't know that we have an awful lot of design and build custom home builders in Tucson. You, you'd obviously be much more familiar with that than I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. There are some. Uh, there's not as many. And yeah. one of the things that we've always done is, you know, sometimes we get people that come to us and they already have a piece of land. Mm-hmm. And other times they're looking for a piece. So what we always tell them is like, well, if you're looking at land you know, the, the the choice of the land itself has cost impacts as well. Whether, right. you, whether you have to put a well in or it's on steep, rocky terrain or the soils are, 
you know, need amendments to them or, or whatever the, the issue could be. So we always say, well, if you, and a lot of, if they're out of state, we'll, we'll say, well, give us an address if you're really interested in a piece of land or two, and we'll drive out and look at it, and then we'll, we'll send them a questionnaire, and we'll say, you know, to get an idea of square footage and architectural style and finish levels and and then now that we've seen the property and, you know, we have a topo map or, you know, we have a, enough, a lot of information and we like to give them, a, you know, guidelines as for where this could, is probably going as far as their budget before mm-hmm. they purchase the land or they have, maybe they have it in an inspection period. And during that inspection period, we'll go look at stuff and kind of give them an idea where this is all headed. And, and, it's, and, and it, doesn't always work. Sometimes there's a client that comes and we just either don't see it being a good teamwork approach or they're after something that we just is beyond our design range. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll necessarily, sometimes we'll recommend an architect that we can work with. For right. Example. So we still, we don't only, what I always say is we only build what we, we build, what we design but we don't do design only. So we don't design for somebody else to build. Right. But we also work with architects and we always, you know, some people say we have an architect. Well, good. Let us sit down with them and you, the client and say, well, let's have a a meeting and let's rather than just do a full set of plans, let's let you guys generate your idea and get us, get us a, either a sketch or something to scale and we'll give you some input right away where we think this is going and some of the concerns we might have. So they have the information before they've gone through a full set of plans. So they, they, they get that kind of not only cost input, but also some engineering and details and finish levels of where, you know, what they might want to consider. And just again, to support, to, again, a teamwork approach. So we, I would say, you know, up to a half of the work we do is teaming with different architects. That you have a partnership with, that you form a partnership yes. with. Yeah. And I'm and, guessing that utilities, the availability of utilities or the cost of, uh, of bringing utilities to uh, a, a project area, a, a lot or a, a parcel of land, that has to be a factor as well. Absolutely. There's a, a lot of factors and, and a lot of people will say, hey, we're looking at a lot in the foothills. Well, all most of the lots that are left in the foothills yeah. can be steep right and challenging right. terrain so as long as and, and, and that can make for great architecture right but you also have to consider it's, it's very common for uh we'll call it a somewhat of a challenging site can easily add you've got you know, all of a sudden you have retaining walls and utility issues maybe hard rock excavation it can quickly add you know 75 grand or more to a project just to incorporate the uh the terrain features into the uh, into the architecture, mm-hmm. excavation and clearing and preparing the land for the building. Um, so I'm very fascinated by the Mercado, as I've only been in the Tucson area six years, um, and I've always loved the Mercado, the Augustine Mercado, uh, and I love that area visually, artistically. Uh, and I didn't even realize that Pureville, w- you were the developers of the residential neighborhood there. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, this is probably the pri- primary tall. residential. We've done probably two-thirds of the homes there. Uh-huh. And, and were, were those all semi-custom or custom, or was that a small infill? We had, in the very early days, we have, we've had some models that people, that I would, I drew some models that people could, you know, choose from or do a custom. And then the last half of the project, which is starting to near maturity, there's still some land available, but now it's pretty much 100% custom. Yeah. And what it started, it, it's, it's a, it started back in 2002, and we teamed up with what's now the Gadsden Company and, and Rio Development, and, you know, which is Jerry Dixon, Adam Weinstein, and... Justin Dixon and, and, and more, as well as a master planner who, who's out of LA. This is interesting is Stephanos <laughs> Polyzardis, but he's from, he grew up in Greece and uh-huh. we got together at 
when the so the city of Tucson owned that land, and they had a request for proposal meeting, and a bunch of developers and so forth showed up, and after they the city put out their you know their rules. In other words, they wanted to design and a bid for the land because it wasn't it wasn't part of real it wasn't gifted to anybody. It was something to be paid for, and. They put it out there, and after the meeting, we started talking, and we, we heard, I heard, it was Jerry Dixon was saying something, talking to somebody about Adobe and Mexico, and I heard him, and, and we went and started talking to each other, and turned out we had a very strong bond with this regional design approach, and that became the kind of the core of the team, and then we brought in, he brought in this Stephanos Polyzoides, with MP architects out of LA and they're all about new urbanism and community building and so forth. And that became the, the beginnings of the team as well as Justin Dixon. And we began meeting, doing meetings. And, and it was interesting because I remember Stefano saying, you know, I've never had a builder involved in this process from the beginning before. Hmm. They, their firm does a lot of really good work. And, and there was other, there's another handful of builders as well. That and many people know Michael Keith, who's worked for the downtown as a builder himself, and a number, another couple other individuals that I invited to this meeting, and we became so it was a group of builders. But what was interesting is they they started asking us questions, and one of the things we talked about because I already lived downtown, mm-hmm. and living in the downtown Tucson area for a long time, it's like you know what we should have alleys and mm. you know, so I was picking up on things that I thought worked up, worked well for downtown Tucson, but also traveling. So there's also a lot of things that we see in Mexico and, and beyond that apply to a more walkable community. And Stephanos was, has already been doing that sort of stuff anyway. So mm-hmm. it became, we were able to get involved with the builders inputting to the planners of things we liked and not everything was, you know, we came to an agreement, and that set the stage. So we actually, it was probably one of the first projects, because I wanted, if you know Mercado, the buildings are zero lot line buildings, so they're structurally independent of each other, but they can be right up against each other. Well, I actually designed the floor plans that we that I wanted before this the site plan was developed. So they came into it knowing how to get that row home look, like you'll see, Mm-hmm. In, in many communities across the, the globe mm-hmm. and knowing that the houses would fit. And same with the other builders. They said, I want this size lot. So they were able to make a site plan that accommodated that feel and look. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in the process, because, and this is important too, it's a planned area development. Mm-hmm. So what it was is a negotiated process with the city of Tucson planners where we worked with them to develop our own set of rules that only apply to Mercado. So that was back to the alleys, zero yeah. lot lines, those sort of things that you see down there. The PAG specifications. Yeah. So I, just so I can understand this a little better, did you buy and develop a whole area or are you, have you just been selling individual lots and then designing them or how did that process come to be? Is well, it- yeah, the Gadsden Company and Rio Development, they, they are yeah. the land holders. Oh, that is and, Rio. Okay. Yeah, and what, and so they would make lots available to this the core group of builders. Mm-hmm. And so we, we so we would either we could buy we can buy a lot from them if we bought lots from them and hold them, or if we have a client, the client can buy a lot from them. Okay. And so we find out, you know, it's usually, you know, we've done some, we did some spec houses over there. We, it's not been really the, the model over there. It's more of the client shows up and says, I'm interested. Like I'll be meeting with somebody next Friday where they're already telling me, you know, what they're interested in. Then we're going to go see if there's a lot that meets their needs. And, and sometimes those lots, you know, we own a few, there's a couple builder lots there, but most of them are still owned by Rio development. So they'll buy, the lot through a realtor, you know, independent of us. And then we'll, we'll design. And just like I said, we do for our custom homes, we'll do a feasibility study for them. Uh-huh. You know, we're based on, you, know, they, you say you like this style, 
these features, this is probably where this is going financially, and then they'll decide to, to proceed or not. And um, so, yeah, that's why uh, that was, so every house is different over there because of that. And there's, like I said, I, while I've done most of the homes there, there's, there's other builders there as well, um, Innovative Living and uh, Tucson Artists and Builders are the, the other two that have done the most amount of work, in, you know, besides me. And there's been a couple other builders, but those are the main three over there. And so there are still lots available over there. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of lots, but yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's, I, there's still some. Okay. Because when I walk around over there, it doesn't appear to be. It looks almost like it's been built out. So I'll have to look a little more closely the next time I'm over there. Yeah, there's um, some areas that aren't as obvious, and, there, you know, you have to kind of dig around. You know, I'm going to say there's 15 lots left or something like that. Okay. You know, so there is still room. I think there's, I don't know the total count of how many houses are over there. But the other thing, of course, about Mercado is is it was de designed, there's two general kind of zoning classifications. There's mm -hmm. town center, which if you go over there, that's where those tall buildings are, the Mercado itself is. And then there's neighborhood general, which is those where, where I've been working. And neighborhood general, you know, it does allow you know, certain activities, you can have up to 50% of your building designated towards home office, things like more like office related, but also, mm -hmm. also you could, you know, somebody wanted to do an art gallery and live above it. They could do that. And even some minor, you know, food and, and beverage sort of facilities. So they can be scattered around throughout there, but then you go into the town center zone and that's where you get, the more commercial stuff. So there's, yeah. there's more town center uh, left to be developed. Not a lot. There's a, there's one specific area, and, and the, the Gadsden Company is in the middle of a project right now that's under construction, and they're working on a second project just west of where the Mercado itself is. But then on a bigger scale, there is land, you know, out beyond the borders of where we're at, including additional projects the actual grand mercado will will come at some point in the near future so there's a lot of room for stuff beyond the mercado to sort of create again all the idea of a more walkable community something that mm -hmm. i've always said i wanted you know design a place that almost felt like you were on vacation when you walked through it like mm -hmm. you know and to give a, just a little bit different feel but also to be connected to the history of where we live Mm -hmm. strong influence from south of the border mm -hmm. and, and historically and architecturally and, and kind of blend it all together. Well, it certainly preserves the culture, which I think is so important right now. And is, is the Mercado the, the largest project that you've been associated with? I mean, most of your work is in custom homes. Am, am I correct in that? Correct. I mean, are there other, you know, major neighborhood developments that you've been associated with we did some work uh a number of years ago up and it was called it was called sky ranch adobes on the north side oh. of town and so oh. we we worked with there's a, uh, a developer jim gray which was stellar gray associates and we we partnered with him up there and we did some of the design and some of the like maybe seven of those homes and he did it was more his, his project that we worked sort of his sidekick and okay. then um We've done some design work for him in the past. And then in addition to that, and it wasn't a master plan project, but the area where I live, which is in the Santa Rosa neighborhood, just south, say five blocks south of the convention center, there's a couple of blocks specifically on Meyer Street or so forth that we've done most of, but not all the homes, but it wasn't really master plan. And this is all that came before Mercado. And so when I was already downtown designing and building, it was a natural, the one thing that we didn't have was the advantages of a planned area development where you could incorporate commercial things. But isn't Barrio, excuse me, but isn't Barrio Santa Rosa, I thought that was mixed residential and business, or am I wrong about that? No, they're, they're, well, Santa Rosa starts at 18th Street and goes south. Right. The area north of there, which is Barrio Historico, does have more commercial land zoning. There's not as nearly as much. There's almost none south of 18th. There's a couple uh, markets that 
were converted to houses, but there really isn't, it's just pretty much residential in that area. And that was the one thing that we did, you know, the street I live on is a narrow street with houses close together, but you couldn't do zero lot lines and you, you couldn't introduce commercial things. Like if somebody wants to run a small coffee shop, it's it's not, it doesn't fit the zoning code. So when this Mercado project came up, I go, there's the opportunity Mm -hmm. to incorporate the things that make an area walkable because people, especially in the summer, you don't want to walk 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, it's, it may be walkable, but not right now, you know, or, yeah. it's, or not enjoyable anyway. So <laughs> that think... was, you know, the <laughs> idea is when you travel and you're on vacation, and whether it's, you know, Europe or wherever you go, where there's, the, you, you, you end up in this old city center and everything's kind of there, you know, it's, it's, yeah. that's what we wanted to see happen over at Mercado. Well, and I love, too, the fact that you have the the Mercado District, the commercial, the center, I believe you were calling it. And then you have the annex, which, of course, is such a unique application uh, of bill of materials. Uh, and, and it's very, very modern. And together, uh, it, it's a just a wonderful. And I'm urging anybody who's listening, if you... Whether you're in the Tucson area or not, when you are here, you really have to get over to the west side is in Menlo Park. I mean, it's just a very exciting part of, of Tucson right now. And hopefully when we get past COVID, uh, we're all going to be able to enjoy it a little more and, and, and watch it grow and yet retain uh, a lot of the culture and history of the, of the Tucson area. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, we've talked a little bit about your philosophy, both, both in terms of design and architecture and culturally and energy efficiency. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if you could just, and we've talked a little bit about the custom home building process, but I'm just wondering if you could offer our listeners any food for thought or things that they really need to know if they're considering a custom home build or if they wonder if they could consider a custom home i mean the, the, most people when they first contact us you know they've been working on their you know, their thoughts where they want to live the th- what things they want they may be putting together you know a pinterest site and so forth and it's it's you know and that that's actually really helpful we always when somebody is thinking about a custom home, you know, a lot of our clients will <clears throat> call us up and say, you know, you know, we've, we've done a couple of custom homes ourselves. We're from Tucson or we're from Chicago or from wherever. And we've been looking, you know, we've been looking on the MLS stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but <clears throat> we, I guess what they just say, but, but what we want is, is not there. It's like either it's close, but we know we have to do a remodel. And then we start thinking, well, they, 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 our clients really want to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. And then they just, you know, then they begin to explore budgets and, you know, land and all the things that lead them down their path to, to getting what they want. So it, it, we tend not to, we built people's first home, but we tend to build a house yeah. that they plan to, you know, have forever because they want, they want what they want. Cause they've lived where they've, they know what they want, and then the, the more specific you get, the harder it is to find an existing home in the right spot. So then they come, they start you know, working with realtors looking for land, and then they, they come to us. Well, and there, there's a considerable cost, you know, and it's a, there's a considerable investment of cost, of time. Um, and what would you say is, I know it's difficult because it depends on the particular home, but what would you say is a is a, a guideline in terms of anybody who's considering a custom build in, in terms of, would you say this could be a year or two in terms of locating the, the land, de- developing the design, sure. the collaborative process, you know, with you, and then the actual permits, which I know take forever and are also costly, and that costs... Is, I'm, I'm sure is passed on to the clients, uh, and then the actual build. We're really talking about a couple of years, aren't we? It depends. I mean, for, I mean, it's easier for me to predict a timeline. It varies a lot because it depends on how fast and 
you know, the, the, I don't want to use the word fast, but how focused the client is and how well they know what they actually do want. Because sometimes if they say we're looking for a piece of land, it might be a year or so before they even find the land. Now, mm-hmm. the, the dividing point is simply once they have the land, if they say, hey, we're ready to go, and, you know, from, for example, at Mercado, if somebody says, hey, we're ready to go, we've got the land, from that point going forward, I usually tell people, you know, you're going to be in the design phase for about a half year, of which maybe three to four months is just design development. In other words, they will, they'll want to explore different ideas, and we that's one thing we usually do for our clients is we'll, they'll tell us everything thereafter. I said, let me... Let me come up with three ideas for you. And, and the idea is that none of them are meant to be the final floor plan, but just three different directions on how this could be done. So you kind of go in, you're in that phase for a while. Like, here's three ideas. I get their input. We, we, we come up with another floor plan. We kind of revise it, and then we do some cost estimating. If everything's in order, then we do have to do the full set of CAD drawings that you know, mm-hmm. as we prepare to submit for a permit. So I usually say four months in design, but it can be longer, but at four months is comfortable, but some people just take longer. They, you know, they, they have other things going on in their lives and so forth. You, you figure two months in permitting in the city, I think it's a little quicker in the county and then construction time, because we're dealing with custom homes, masonry walls, ram earth and Adobe, you know, construction time is typically eight months or more depending mm-hmm. on site development, size of the home and level of detail. So uh, we did an Adobe modern steel project up in Dubmont last year. I mean, that was like an 18 month build. I mean, it was, it was a complex site. There's a bridge leading to that property and that takes 18 months. I mean, the average house in Mercado takes eight to 10 months, but that's already on that land is flat. The utilities are there. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's an easier and more effective process, mm-hmm. efficient process. So it does vary, but yeah, most people will tell them, you know, it's like a year and a half or so for the whole process. And then do you partner with or recommend interior designs? Because so far we've been really talking about the structure, but there's a lot that goes into interior design and materials and appliances and, you know, and do, do you get involved or do you have people who you partner with? Um, we like to work with interior designers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of clients don't feel they need interior designers. And my opinion is now <laughs> I, I would say that 80% of what we do does not involve an interior designer. Really? And we, we, you know, we, we, you know, they, they send me Pinterest pictures and things and they said, this is what we like. Uh-huh. I say, well, you know, I always say, you know, you can, always, we can always get an interior designer and that right. will, you know, I, I think it's an asset. And they can charge by the hour, by the project, and they can use them for furniture or not. Right. But, you know, everybody – picking paint is the classic one. Everybody thinks they look at those little chips and they go, I like that. Right. And then it's like, yeah, but you got to think about that in conjunction with the tile or the furniture or all those things that I as a builder may not know. And most – a lot of times we're very successful working with a client where we will make suggestions and work with them to do it all. And that's more often the case than not. But what, even when I've done a spec house, there's a couple interior designers that I'll work with because I feel like they add something. They're looking at it from the finished product, from the photo version of the, they're looking at it backwards, you know, right. and what it's supposed to end up feeling like, including the furniture and window coverings or whatever. And I, you know, they, they charge a fee, but I feel like it's generally worth it for the client to do so. And, you know, they put together, they'll put together color boards that show this is the living room, this is the floor, this is the wall mm-hmm. color, this is the window type, blah, blah, blah. And they'll pull it all together confidently with experience versus clients can do that, but they don't always do it as successfully. So to me, I think interior designers are underutilized. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm thinking... For, from your perspective, I can't imagine the care and time and really love, if for lack of a better word, that you put into the building of the structure and then to have somebody come in and, and really not um, not have the ability or the wherewithal to create an equally 
uh, satisfying interior. That must be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, there's some, you know, sometimes they work, it works out great. Sometimes, I mean, we get clients that just have a real strong ability to pull things off. And other mm-hmm. times we'll get done with the house and then it gets furnished with stuff from Cape Cod and it's a yeah. desert house. And it's like that, you'll yeah. never see one of those on our website. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, we have some real successful clients and even, even architects, you know, some of the architects will do, you know, well thought through plans, but it's not th- thought through necessarily the remaining decisions like tile and, and paint. Yeah. And it's very easy. Like I said, when somebody says, I want this color, they will tell you what, let's get a sample of that color, but also the one above it on the chart and one below it on the chart. And we put, we'll paint it on the walls mm-hmm. and say, now, what do you think? Cause it's going to look different in that room, in that lighting with those things around it. And right. so, you know, we spend a lot of time with our clients. We go to the plumbing supply place, you know, for appliances and plumbing. And we, we go through every single decision with them where they can see the product with or without an interior designer. We like, again, we like working with them, but we will also work with clients. And a lot of clients, some of them that have built a lot of houses do know what they want. Yeah. And what I tell them is like, all, all I will do is I will raise a flag when I have a question about your choice. So don't take it personally, but mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't coincide with what they told me what they want their house to look like, I'll bring it up to them. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have the knowledge that in addition to lighting and some of the other things, when we talk about color, the material that the color is being applied to has a lot to do with how it eventually appears. It does. I mean, it depends on... Because you know. of the amount of absorption, um, et cetera. Well, Tom... We've talked a lot about a lot, but I'm just wondering if there's anything that you that we've missed, anything that you'd like to say about Pure Build. I know that we focused a lot about the Mercado and on custom building, but I'm just wondering if there's anything that you would like our listeners to know. Um, again, we're a design build company, and 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 we've done a lot of focus on custom homes, and in the last you know number there's more of in addition to that more urban infill and stuff, and what's What's interesting, too, is we we're we're still staying busy for sure. We've got a lot of custom homes coming, and Mercado is always uh, chugging along. But there's you know that's going to eventually be built out. But what's of course interesting during this last half year is we have. I mean, I had an email today, and I've had you know a lot of our clients that we've already built for are coming back to. It's like I got an email from a house I built 28 years ago, and he said, "Well, it's time to redo our windows." You know, and we really want to work with you guys to put new windows in because we know it's you know it's got to be done right, and then, and then we got to match the stucco and make it look like it it's not done haphazardly. So we're getting a lot of these projects that we tend to not do remodel, but we tend to help our past clients when they it's mm-hmm. time to do something. Mm-hmm. So that's something a little more recent because they're just they want to work with somebody. We already have a relationship that we with us that they trust and they just want to do their projects. We've got like five or six of these modest to medium sized projects going on in addition, but they're only with prior clients. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and what other people don't realize too is like, well, you're a builder and they'll ask their question. It's like, well, one thing that the general public needs to remember is that there's commercial contractors, there's apartment builders, there's custom home builders, there's semi-custom home builders, there's remodelers and there's tract home builders. We all have a different skill set and we all use different subcontractors. Mm-hmm. So it's important, you know, we, what we say is we are a custom home builder and our subs are geared up for custom work. So right. And, and, and I can't go get the guy who's working on a tract home to do the plumbing because it's, it's a different, nothing's custom there. Everything's already been predetermined. They get to do it 20 times in a row. They just go in and knock it out. Versus, I mean, I've got the client that wants to have the this pipe coming out of the wall with a waterfall into the sink, and mm-hmm. my my plumber knows how to do that. They're 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 up for the challenge. So that's one of the things that you know part of the custom process that we want people to understand. Like when people say, "Do you do remodeling?" And generally, no, we don't because remodel is a specific mm-hmm. skill set as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and in a custom build, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a residential realtor, 
and I sell a lot of the new construction in town as well as resale. And, you know, I would never disparage any builders, but there's not the care that goes into the custom. And that's what you're really talking about with your subs. Uh, I, I, you know, I, the, a lot of, I've just found a lot of kind of sloppy work with every builder because of what you're talking about. You know, a lot of these subs, they go in and they, they're used to slapping the plumbing together. They're used to slapping the electrical together and it becomes very rote. And, and, you know, I don't think that they intend to, but I think it's easy to become complacent. Whereas with a custom home, that that's really what you're paying for, I think. is I mean, you're paying for the material and the expertise and the skill and the creativity. But you're really also paying for the, the fact that you're working with people who really care and who are committed. And, you know, I think it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And if we have any of our listeners who are considering custom or in that position... Um, I would really urge you to take a look at the pure, purebuildhomes.com, especially if you're thinking about the Southwest. I think your site is a beautiful site. It's like going to an art gallery. I would encourage anybody to take a look at it just for the aesthetic pleasure, the work that you've done and the way that you have retained a lot of the organic um, materials and methods and that you're your goal is sustainability. I, I think it's very exciting, and uh, I'm just delighted. I'm not in a position, unfortunately, where I can afford uh, to, to hire you to build me a custom home, but I appreciate so much what you're doing, and, uh, and I appreciate your coming on the air with me this afternoon, and I'm just wondering if people wanted to get in touch with you how would you suggest that they get in touch with you? How would they start the process, Tom? Well, the easiest way is to go to our website, and there is a place where you can request additional information. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you put your email in, and then you can just type in a, a, a question or what you're after, and then that email goes right to me. And then I'll typically respond or, you know, depending on what the categories of the custom home, I'll respond or I'll forward it to my business partner, Jeff, who, like, if it's a rammed earth, request jeff runs the rammed earth component of the business so i will forward that to him or we'll just it'll just be the beginnings of a back and forth dialogue with that particular potential client and just find out if 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 it's a match you know we're we're a custom home builder and we want to work with people in a collaborative way in design build and um we find that the clients that we build for feel the same way and, and they feel like we're actually on the same team, not uh, adversarial at all. And uh, we think because of that, we want to make it, it's not, you know, building a, designing and building a custom home takes a lot of time on the client's hand because they have to, cho- they're choosing every component of the house that's being offered in, as far as choices to them. So it, does, it is a time commitment, but our clients to get what they want are willing to put the time into it. But it might it might as well be fun. Mm-hmm. That's funny that you say that because as a realtor, that's what I always tell all of my clients that you know it's a very very complicated. Even just buying or selling um, a, a, a residential home, a resale residential home, um, or a, a new build, it's a complicated and can be very stressful process. So we really do need to have some fun along the way because if, if, if you don't, it's going to be very laborious and you're going to lose your interest, I think. <laughs> um, so I'm fascinated by the fact that you are actually the one who responds to the contacts that come in on, on the, on your, from your, your website. So it's very personalized. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that our clients say is that we communicate very well. Mm-hmm. and efficiently with them and we also like to work with them in a pro- there's all there is a it is a complicated i don't want to say complicated process but there's a lot of steps to it right and we've learned how we can spread those steps out like we we kind of figure out each client we treat the way they want you know every every client is different and we want to work with them the way they want to work because some people want to say well you pick that and then mm-hmm. say we want to go look at this so we just kind of 
we have to, we're good listeners. That's the key mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. help people kind of move in a comfortable direction. And everybody has a different path they want to pursue. I mean, the goals are similar to get a house, but how they choose to go, we, we adjust ourselves to make that process as easy and as seamless as we can for our clients. Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly made our discussion this afternoon easy, and I'm delighted to have had you on, and I'm, I'm thrilled with the work that you're doing, and I wish you nothing but the very, very best, and I thank you for all that you've done to maintain the cultural, uh, architectural um, Southwest that I've come to love. And I think most Tucsonans, without knowing you or even knowing Peerbuild, I think most Tucsonans and our visitors would agree with me that you have really helped to make Tucson a very, very special place. So I thank you very much. And um, I want to thank my listeners. And I hope everyone stays safe and well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed your home for real estate with Carol Dygate on Tucson Business Radio X.